بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم محمد صلی اللہ رسول الکریم اما بعد الحمد للہ tonight is the 21st of may in the year 2023 alhamdulillah we've completed the fourth week the 28th night that we're going through the exalted and dear life of the eminent companion sayyidina abdullah ibn mas'ud radiyallahu and i've reached the stage where we have mentioned the battle of hunayn And the critical point in which our beloved Messenger وسلم, asked Abdullah ibn Mas'ud for a handful of dirt with Allah and he struck them, the unbelievers with this. And then the victory was quickly followed on from there. A large number of enemy soldiers were thus killed and many of them were taken as prisoners by the Muslims. Nevertheless, A sizable portion of the enemy managed to escape to Ta'if and hid in the powerful fortress. So obviously Hunayn is between Makkah and Ta'if, closer to Ta'if. So those who managed to escape, they went back to their base, i.e. and they fortified their, their residence. Our beloved Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam received information and thus immediately surrounded Ta'if in preparations for the siege. The siege, however, was prolonged and lasted for around a month without any success. The believing forces attacked the fort frequently but could not succeed owing to the enemy shelling and archery from within. Thus our beloved Messenger after consultations broke off the siege and left. So, what's interesting, the siege in the battle of the trench was around a month. And Alhamdulillah, Allah's help and victory came for the believers. The siege of Ta'if went against apparently the believers. So even though they were trying their best to break, they couldn't do it. The Prophet broke off. Upon returning and lifting the siege in Ta'if, Rasulullah then eventually started to share out the spoils of war. So in the initial engagement at Hunayn, there were many prisoners. So those prisoners and those goods had been with the Prophet for the month now. So obviously, he wants them to embrace Islam, to give them back. But they didn't. So after the month on his return, he's now deciding to share the spoils. Our beloved Messenger, then as was his noble practice, began to give more to those whose hearts were not as yet as firm in their faith as others. So like I mentioned, there were recent converts to the glorious deen. So the Prophet would give the spoils to them more, I to help them with regards to the Iman. So this hadith is recorded in Sayyid Bukhari, number 4336, 3150. Sayyid Muslim, number 1062, Riyadh Salihin, number 42. Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu he said On the day of Hunayn Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam favored some people in the distribution of the booty to the exclusion of others He gave to Al-Aqra ibn Habis 100 camels 
And he gave Uyayna ibn Hisn the same amount. He also gave to some of the eminent Arabs, giving them preference in this regard. So Abdullah ibn Masood is explaining that he's given to prominent reverts to Islam. Al-Aqra ibn Habis, Uyayna ibn Hisn, some other Arabs. Upon this, a person came and said, By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in this distribution, justice has not been observed. Nor was Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's pleasure intended. So one of the men, he said something really, you know, literally a statement of kufr. He goes, where's the justice in this? I thereupon said to him, by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I will now inform the Prophet of what you have said. I then went and informed him and his face was reddened and he responded, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger وسلم, do not act justly, who else will act justly? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy upon Musa Indeed, he was harmed with more than this, yet he remained patient. Having heard this, I said to myself, La jarama la arfa'u ilayhi ba'daha haditha. I shall never again convey anything of this kind of someone's false speech to him ever again. So let's look at this briefly. So this is recorded in Sayyid Bukhari and Muslim. So obviously on the face of it, it looks like he's favoring others. But the wisdom was, the Iman was weak. So he's helping them. So one man said something like I mentioned. He goes, where's the justice in this? Allah's pleasure was not intended. So who conveyed that statement to the Prophet? Ibn Masood. He said, I'm going to tell the Prophet what you said. When he told it, the Prophet's face became red, meaning he was upset. And look at the words he uttered. If Allah and his messenger don't act justly, who is going to act justly? <laughs> In other words, how could you make that statement? Then he remembered Musa, subhanAllah. He was, Rahimallahu Musa, Qad uudhiya bi akthara min hadha fasabar. May Allah have mercy upon Musa, alayhi salatu wasalam. Indeed, he was harmed with more than this, yet he remained patient. Meaning, he went through a lot with his people. They did this, they said this, they hurt him. Every other corner, something was happening. He goes, may Allah have, in other words, I should show more patience. Then Luwa Ibn Masood said, this shows his love for the Prophet Having heard this, I said to myself, La jarama la arfa'u ilayhi ba'daha haditha. I will never again convey anything of this to him. Meaning, why did I bother telling the Prophet this when I know it's going to hurt him? <laughs> Note Abdullah ibn Mas'ud whose intense love for our beloved Messenger that he grieved over anything which would trouble his blessed heart and would thus steer well clear of all its paths. So now, this shows that to hurt the Prophet was something very, very alien to the companions. But if they somehow did it, like here, Ibn Masood inadvertently did it, immediately they'd stop. 
So they wouldn't even convey, imagine, even though somebody might say something, we're not going to tell the Prophet, we're not going to hurt him. So allow it. So, indeed, it was the policy of our beloved Messenger, so to give generously to those who had recently embraced Islam. So who were the two men, which Ibn Masood mentioned? Uyayna ibn Hisn al-Aqra ibn Habs. Hafiz ibn Hajar al-Skalani, rahmatullahi, in his Al-Isaba, volume 1, page 239. Abu Nu'im al-Hilya, volume 1, page 353. Muhammad ibn Ibrahim al-Taymi, radiyallahu, he said. Somebody asked, Ya Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you have given Uyayna ibn Hisn and Al-Aqra ibn Habis each 100 camels. But you gave nothing to Ju'il. Why was that? The Prophet said, By the one who holds my life, even if this earth was filled with people like Uyayna and Al-Aqra, then still Ju'il ibn Suraka is better than all such people. I have thus now simply intended to reconcile their hearts i.e. so they become firm in their faith, where it is I authorize Ju'il over to his faith. So let's look at this. So when somebody actually asked the Prophet he goes, you gave to these two men, but you didn't give nothing to Ju'il and he's, you know, senior. And what did the Prophet say? He swore an oath. He goes, even if you fill the entire world, imagine how many Uyaynas and Al-Aqra that the Allahumas do you need to fill the world? So imagine the whole world is full of those two men. Joel's greater than them. So the Prophet praised Joel. Then he said, I gave to them because they're still not firm. I've left Joel with his Iman. Now, what's interesting, Joel, when he heard this, he goes, I have put my faith in this statement over all my deeds. He was so pleased. He goes, That's better than any spoils. Which the Prophet said about me, Half is Abu Nu'im in his Al Hilya, volume 1, page 415 of the English translation, mentioned that Sayyidina Ju'il ibn Suraka al Dimri was amongst the honorable Ashabu Suf. So, who is that man which is mentioned? He was amongst the companions who stayed in the Masjid al Nabi. So, now these two who were given the spoils, as mentioned earlier, the two to whom our beloved Messenger وسلم, gave, finally, Iman settled deep into their hearts. For both these noble souls later became staunch believers. How do we know? For Uyayna ibn Hisn and Al-Aqra ibn Habis, were both later martyred in the famous Battle of Yarmouk. Al-Aqra, ten sons were also martyred in this encounter. Referred to Hafiz ibn Hajar Askarani in his Ali Isab. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy upon them all and forgive us all for their honorable sake. Amen. So it's important not to find fault with those people the Prophet gave to. Who else did he famously give? You know, very generously to on that occasion. Some very famous companions who had recently embraced Islam. Can you think of any? Abu Sufyan ibn Harb. Yazid ibn Abu Sufyan and Muawiyah ibn Abu Sufyan. So Abu Sufyan, the chief of the Quraysh, he was given 100 camels. The Prophet then gave to his two sons as well, Yazid and Muawiyah. Did they not become firm? So the Prophet is giving. 
the Ansar, they actually felt something in their hearts. So they deputized Sa'ad ibn Ubadah to speak on their behalf, the chief. So when Sa'ad ibn Ubadah came, he was, Ya Rasulullah, my people have asked that you're given so much to so-and-so, but you haven't given anything to them. So Rasulullah said, is that what you think? What's your opinion, O Sa'ad? Because I'm just one of my people, Ya Rasulullah. So then the Prophet to cut a long narration short, he told Sa'ad ibn Ubadah radiyallahu tell all of your men, the Ansar, to gather. I want to speak to them. So he gathered all the Ansar. Imagine how many thousands there were. Other 12,000, your guess is as good as mine. And then the Prophet allowed one, one Muhajir to come with him. He actually asked, I don't know, I don't know which, that sahusa, which that Sahab was. And then the Prophet told the Ansar, he goes, are you upset that I've given and I've left you? So they said, we are happy, <laughs> Ya Rasulullah. So then the Prophet وسلم, he then said some very touching words about the Ansar. He goes, you could have said that you were weak and you came to us. And I would have said, yes, you're right. You could have said you had no support and we gave you support. I would have said, you're right. Well, then the Prophet said, aren't you happy that people go away with their camels, goats and their spoils and you return with Rasulullah? And then they start to weep. They go, Ya Rasulullah, we are very happy. So no, the Prophet was telling the companions, don't think ill, this is just a policy that I'm doing. So notice this was what happened. The only thing which is worth pointing out, the spoils were distributed in a place called Jirana. And Jirana is the famous place where you put the ihram for Umrah. The Prophet when he was there, so imagine all the spoils are there, people are guarding. He slips out to do Umrah <laughs> during the night. And Abdullah ibn Umr even though he was very, very observant of Rasulullah, he didn't realize the Prophet had done Umrah. He didn't realize. He was sleeping, he was tired. And he would say to people, what are you talking about? And he was telling the truth because he didn't even know he's gone and come back. The hadith is in Imam Ahmad's Musnad. He went, he put the ihram on and then he went to do Umrah back in Makkah and then he came back. And people, some people weren't even aware. So even in those moments of jihad, he's doing Umrah. And Jilal is a special place to put your ihram on. It's one of the best places in which to do your ihram for Umrah. And some of the martyrs are buried there. There's a graveyard there for some of the martyrs in the encounter. With regards to the spells, we also have a very interesting report from Nafi in Sayyid Bukhari, number 3067 or 6-182. Nafi Rahmatullah said, once a horse belonging to Abdullah ibn Mas'ud ran away and it was taken by the enemy. Then the Muslims defeated them. It was returned to him during the lifetime of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Later, a slave of his also ran away and joined the Romans. Then the Muslims defeated them. And Khalid ibn al-Walid radiyallahu returned it to him after the lifetime of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa So let's look at this very interesting report recorded in Sayyid Bukhari number 3067. So obviously he was given spoils ibn Masud. So he had a horse. It was captured by the enemy. When the Muslims defeated them, the same horse was given back to him in the time of the Prophet. So he got it back. 
Then it says he had a slave that was given to him. He ran away, he joined the Romans. After Rasulullah's lifetime, Khalid bin Walid defeated them and he was given back to Ibn Mas'ud. So now that's the hadith. There's a ruling from this. A ruling is deduced from this. That although falling as spoils, the original owner has more right to his property than the Mujahids. Although falling as spoils, the original owner has more right to his property than the Mujahids. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. So obviously, was interesting, Ibn Masood. And you get this impression, he wasn't interested. You know, was he, was he guarding them? The fact that they were just running away, you know, he's not interested. But Allah was giving it back to him. He goes, there you go, you got it back. But then the rulings deduced. If they fall a spoil, so what if a, uh, a Mujahid goes, why aren't I given that? Because it originally belonged to a Muslim. It's gone back to him. So the ruling has been deduced. So this is where his blessed name was mentioned in Hunayn. Now what's interesting, just to wrap this section up. Malik ibn Auf, who's he? I mentioned him yesterday. Malik ibn Auf was the chief of the unbelievers, the thaqif, who brought all the people out to fight. He actually finally embraced Islam. The people said, look, we, we were besieged. We couldn't even leave our own residence. So why don't we go to Muhammad and embrace Islam? And hopefully he'll give back all our family or whatever spoils he's taken. So Malik eventually did do that. He sent a small uh, group to the Prophet and he was too late because the Prophet has divided this, the, the spoils. That's why he was delaying, but they left it too late. So then what happened? The Prophet he said to the Thaqif, he goes, I will give back the spoils and so will Banu Hashim and Banu Abdul Muttalib. I will ask the rest. So what was the first thing the Prophet did? He gave back all the spoils from his own tribe, the Banu Hashim and the Banu Abdul Muttalib, according to one report. And look how interesting, there's a report in Kanzul Umal where Aqil, Ali's older brother, he actually got a needle from the spoils. So when he came back to his wife, Fatima, she goes, what did you get a spoils? He goes, a needle, there you go, stitch with it. <laughs> so then she starts stitching and then he goes, give me the needle back. So she goes, you only get, he goes, the Prophet wants your bike. So look how, you know, honest they were. He didn't even say, well, nobody's going to miss a needle. So this is why he gave it back, because the Prophet goes, we're giving it back. Then the Prophet, وسلم, that's in Kanzul Umal, he got all of the companions and he said to them, he goes, your brothers have repented, they've embraced Islam. If you now see fit, give them back what the spoils you have taken. He didn't force it. So 99% of the Sahaba gave, the, gave it all back because they can have it, Ya Rasulullah. But who didn't give it back? Oh, Yaina and Al-Aqla, the one who got the hundreds. Because we're not giving it back. <laughs> so then the people started rebuking them. Because, look, just give it back. Because, no, we're not giving it back. <laughs> so then the Prophet started saying to them, if you give it back, if in the next encounter, if you're still alive, I'll give you more. And only after negotiating, they gave it back. <laughs> then Malik ibn Auf, he was so moved by that, 
He came and one report goes he gave so much wealth for the cause of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he was a military genius, Malik ibn Auf. So he later embraced Islam. Not much is known about him thereafter. But Alhamdulillah, they all embraced Islam. And notice the Prophet wasn't after spoils, he wasn't interested. And he was trying to imbibe that into the companions. So the next section, again, where the great Ibn Masood's name is mentioned, is the book, The Last Campaign of Our Beloved Messenger. Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud was also blessed to participate in the final campaign of our beloved messenger. The campaign of Tabuk. So that's worth memorizing. You know, Bori Bali should wake up. What's the last campaign he participated? He should read the book. You not even you know, think about it. It's the last campaign. The Almighty and Glorious Subhanahu wa Ta'ala had revealed about this campaign. In Surah Tawbah, Surah 9, verse 117. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forgiven the Prophet, the Muhajireen and the Ansar, who followed him in the hour of distress. I.e. the Tabuk expedition. Now think about that. If that is all that you knew about that campaign, that's, you know, haven't you learned enough? So who are forgiven because of this campaign? The Prophet, the Muhajirun and the Ansar. This was the last campaign of the Prophet. How can you then think ill of the Muhajirun and the Ansar when Allah has forgiven them? And yet, fruit cakes, ill-educated Muslims, so-called Muslims. He goes, no, they were monafics. He goes, don't you read the Quran? Allah explicitly says they're forgiven. Subhanallah, note the endless honors for the glorious Muhajirin and the Ansar. They were assured divine forgiveness and pleasure. So now clarifying upon this verse, why was it called the hour of distress? In Ibn Jarir and Ibn Kathir's Tafsir, volume 4, page 5 to 8 of the English translation, Katada, he explained this verse, Surah 9, verse 117. They went to Asham during the years of the Battle of Tabuk at a time when the heat was intense. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knew how hard things were and they suffered great hardship. We were informed that two men used to divide a single date between themselves. Some of them would take turns in soaking the date and drinking water. Then he would give it to another man to soak the date and to drink water. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgave them and allowed them to come back from the battle, i.e. without fighting. Now think about that. 30,000, I'm going to mention the numbers. 30,000 went on this campaign. Notice the jump again. 12,000, 30,000 is now accelerated. One day between two men and you're not even chewing it. Imagine somebody goes, what am I supposed to do with it? Can I eat it? No, don't eat it. So what are you giving it to me for? Suck on it. Nobody sucks on a day. What am I going to do with that? Because that's all you can do with it. You're going to have to share it. How much hardship is that? Right? So that's, that is one of the things mentioned, the, the ulama mentioned. And similarly, in Imam Ahmad in his Musnad Ibn Kathir Sira, volume 4, page 10 of the English translation, Abdullah Ibn Muhammad Ibn Aqil, he recited the same verse, he explained, 
they were two to three to a single camel. They traveled at the time of severe heat and thus eventually began slaughtering their camels to split open their stomachs to drink the liquid inside them. Subhanallah, that was a time of usra, great hardship over water, over expenses, over transport. Mm. So now other details are mentioned here in Imam Ahmad's Muslim. 30,000. How many camels did they have? According to this, 10,000. That means three to a camel. They have to share three. So two thirds of the time you're walking. Secondly, water and a... So now they have to slaughter the camel to get some sort of juice out of the stomach to drink water. The hardship was over water, expenses and transport, said the one of the Salaf. One report, the majestic Sayyidina Umar, he described the long trek of over 600 miles. We left for Tabuk with Rasulullah in a period of sweltering heat. We stopped somewhere to make camp. We became so thirsty that we thought our necks would break apart because of dryness. Mm -hmm. This is in Al-Haytami in Majma Az-Zawaid 6-194. So think about that. This was Umar, one of the strongest companions. Even he said, I was buckling. Mm -hmm. My neck, it was like it was going to snap. It was just so hot, unbelievably hot. 600 miles. You can't even ride all the way. You're going to have to walk 400 miles. Mm -hmm. The desert sucked, the heat increases because it absorbs heat. 50, 60 degrees, you're walking in sun. Mm. Sun's blasting, yeah. Water's run out. You have to slaughter camels. Mm. You're soaking a day, you can't even eat a day. So Allah, what does he say? He just simply says, Allah <laughs> Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forgiven the Prophet the Muhajirun and the Ansar who followed him in the hour of distress. Why? Because what else do you want to secure forgiveness? So note again that Tabuk was a severe test. Now training, a training schedule which was now given by Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the companions. So all I mentioned today was basically I concluded where the great name of Ibn Masood was mentioned during the Hunain uh, campaign and the siege of Taif and then the spoils thereafter. And then I mentioned some of the details related to this. And now we're mentioning the final campaign, the book. And we will get to where the great name of Ibn Masood is mentioned there as well, inshallah. Are there any questions you'd like to ask? سبحان الله بحمدي سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك اشهد ان لا اله الا انت استغفرك واتوب اليك واذكر بالله من الشيطان الرجيم سبحان ربك رب العزه عما يصفون السلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الاصل انسان لفي خصل الذين امنوا وعملوا الصالحات واصبحوا الحق واصبحوا الصبر صدق الله عليكم